I'd like to welcome everybody to another episode of the House of Bricks podcast, where we are teaching people to use life's experiences like bricks. You can either carry them with you and they weigh you down, or you can lay them down to build a strong foundation, which will ultimately position you for accelerated growth in your business and your life. And if you've been following our show for a while, we've had some incredible guests from Super Bowl champions to NBA champions to Hall of Fame basketball players, top CEOs, doctors changing the landscape of healthcare. And I have a sports background. I love sports. And one of the most important things, one of the first things that I advise people on in their business is how to create a winning culture. And last month, I had the opportunity to hear from today's guest, David Friedman. He's the CEO of CultureWise, and he put a spin on how to build, keep, and grow your culture in a way that I had never heard before. So the first thing I did was I had to get him on the House of Brick show. Stay engaged. You're going to learn so much on how to build that winning culture. So David Friedman, welcome to the House of Bricks. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Adam. I'd love to be able to share this material. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we really want to dive in deep on your methodology of you know how you've coached businesses, even building your own business and creating winning cultures. Sure, Adam. So you know, my story began really in, in my first company. So everything that I teach people comes from the experiences that I've had as a CEO. I, I live in the Philadelphia area, big Eagles fan, go Eagles. <laughs> and I spent, uh, I spent 27 years building, it was an employee benefits consulting company that I grew. And I grew it from two people to well over a hundred people. And during the years that I was growing this company, it was a very successful company, but all of the success we had was based on the culture that we built. And during the years of growing that, I just figured out, mostly from my own experiences, my own intuitions and reflections and observations, I figured out a methodology for creating that culture. I was very purposeful about it. It was not by accident. I eventually sold that company and retired from that industry. And I was, I was really too young to be retired. I wasn't sure what I was going to do next, but I ended up writing my first of several books that I've written about the process that I had created for my company. And I wrote that book, honestly, as a way of bringing closure to that phase of my career. It was never intended to launch something else. It was just a way of, uh, of capturing what I had learned, I, mostly for myself. I wrote that book for me so that I could capture in one place what I had learned and what I had done, and then I could be done and move on to something else. But what ended up happening is the book did well. People got a lot of value from it. That first book was called Fundamentally Different. And that book led to people asking me to speak in vintage groups like where you heard me. And as people heard me speak, some of them said, hey, that's pretty interesting. That's different from things we've heard before. Could I hire you to help me do that? And next thing I knew, I was off and running in my second career, and uh, I've written three books about this, done over 800 workshops about it, and worked with hundreds and hundreds of companies to teach them this methodology that you heard about and that I had created in my first company. So culture can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people, I have different definitions. I think every company out there goes through that mission, vision, values process. Mm. And then they have the, I think they're called successory posters, yes. motivation, trust. Uh, words that really don't mean anything other than the noun <laughs> that they are. And so what 
what makes your process different and what's your approach to helping a company build culture? So my approach is organized. And so the first thing I would say, Adam, is that my point of view and my experience is that in any organization, whether it's a sports team like you're talking about before, whether it's a family, whether it's a classroom, whether it's a company, that the culture in that group that, that exists, that culture has an enormous influence in shaping how people do what they do. I mean, we could talk about sports and you, you could see the same athletes on two different teams with two different cultures and you put them in a high performing culture and those athletes are going to perform at a higher level. And the same happens in companies that if we could create a championship culture in our company, it would cause the largest percentage of our employees. I mean, there's always going to be people on either end of the bell curve. There's going to be people that are going to be great no matter where you put them. And there's going to be people that are going to stink no matter where you put them. Right. But 80% of the people are going to be heavily influenced by the environment that they're in, the culture that they're in. And so my point of view is if we understand that, then as leaders, whether I'm a CEO of a company, whether I'm a coach of a team or anything else, if I'm the leader, to the extent that I could purposely build a championship culture that would cause that 80% in the middle to perform at the highest level, that would be a pretty smart thing to do. Oh, it's so funny you say that. Again, I, I love to tie things back to sports, but one of our previous guests, Wayne Simeon, so he won a championship with the Miami Heat, played for Pat Riley, played for Bill Self at the University of Kansas, Roy Williams. When he was, he was just talking about what influenced the culture had on the level. Because everyone yep. in the NBA has talent. Everyone has the work ethic, but it's really that winning culture Yep. can can separate the teams uh, that win from the ones that don't. And look at the head coach of the Miami Heat now, Eric Spolstra. He started as a video intern, and now he's you know, one of the top five coaches of all time. So it's it's really important to, to build that winning culture. So yeah. walk us through a little bit of how do you do that? Process. Yeah, how, yeah. Do, how do you do yeah. it? Yeah, so we all know it's important. How do you do it? That's the real ultimate question. So I teach people a framework for how to do that. And I call it the eight-step framework. Eight different things. You do these eight things. This is how you make it happen. But just to cut to the chase, at the end of the day, while all of the eight steps are important, there are two of the steps that, in my experience, drive, I would say, a disproportionate amount of influence over success. If we do these two things well, you're going to be really successful in anything. And if you don't, you're not going to be successful. And those two things are, number one, how we go about defining, well, what is the culture we want to have? Because if we can't define that with enough clarity, we're not going to be very successful creating it. I mean, that's pretty obvious. And I'll, and I'll, I'll explain to you, you and your audience how we do that. The second of the two steps that are really critical is a concept that I call creating rituals. And creating rituals is all about how we operationalize in a sustainable way the culture that we want to have. So let me take those two one at a time. When we talk about how to define it, you made the comment jokingly, but seriously that, oh yeah, everybody's got their vision, their mission, all their values, and, and that all looks nice. And that's what everybody says you should do. And yet at the end of the day, most of the time, it isn't really that clear. I mean, the words all sound wonderful, but what does any of that stuff mean? So I make a big deal about the difference between what I call values and what I call behaviors. So a value to me, is typically an abstract concept. So examples of values are things like quality, integrity, passion, commitment, service, respect, loyalty, innovation, 
These are ideas, concepts. A behavior, though, is an action. It's something I can actually see somebody doing. So as an example, some of the behaviors that I teach in my company are things like honor commitments. That's something to actually do. Practice blameless problem solving. Get clear on expectations. Follow up on everything. Be a fanatic about response time. These are actions that people do. So a value is typically an abstract idea, behaviors and action. The reason this matters, and some of your audience may be thinking, well, isn't that just semantics? The reason that that really matters, and it isn't just semantics, is that the problem with the traditional core values that most companies love to put on their websites is that they tend to be so broad and so abstract that they mean too many different things to different people. And they therefore become very difficult to operationalize in any meaningful kind of way. So an example I often think of is I'll see one of the core values I'll see in many companies is they'll have the value for respect. We should all respect each other. And that certainly sounds like a good idea. I can't argue with that. But what does that word mean? It means so many different things to different people. If you grew up in an inner city gang, your definition of what it looks like to respect somebody or maybe to diss them could be different than what it might mean in your family or my family. So we all have different ideas of what that word means. So to simply say, well, one of our core values is, is respect. Okay, I'm just not sure it's that helpful. Behaviors, though, because they're so action-oriented, are much easier to teach and coach and guide and give people feedback about. It is very difficult to coach somebody about their values. But I could coach them all day long about what I see them doing or not doing. So the first step in this eight-step framework is to get way more clarity about what we want our culture to be by defining the behaviors, not the values, but the behaviors that you say as a leader, whether again, you're the head coach or you're the CEO or whatever the leader, you're the teacher in the classroom, you as the leader get to establish, well, what are the behaviors that if I could get all of our people doing these behaviors consistently, that's going to make this organization be as successful as it can possibly be. I give those behaviors a name. It's just my own nomenclature. You can call it whatever you want, but I call them fundamentals because I think they're fundamental to success in sports and music and others. You know, we were talking about getting back to the fundamentals. Well, right. I think the same is true. We have fundamentals for these are the ways that we do things in our company. And so the first thing we've got to do is establish what is the culture we want and establish it by defining the behaviors or fundamentals that when practiced consistently will lead to the most success. So that's the first step. Just to pause there. So I'm very selective listeners out there of who I have on the House of Bricks podcast. And I'm telling you, having been an entrepreneur for 25 years, I have some natural gifting of just being able to inspire and lead people. But what David's talking about here is really an operating system is what he refers to it as of how to build culture. We all know it's important, but we don't know really what actions to take to actually do it. So yes. this is really good. And, and just to piggyback on what you just said there, Adam, my experience is, you know, we talked about your giftings to inspire people. My experience is that many leaders are inspirational people. And if you're around them, you're like, boy, being around Adam just inspires me and I want to be like him. And, and that's great. But if we don't have something more systematic about it, it's hard to sustain and it's hard to scale. So if I'm a company, 
you know, if I, if my culture in my company was mostly a function of being around you as the CEO and you happen to be an inspiring guy and I see you all the time and it inspires me to be better, that's great if we have 10 employees. But when we have 50 or 100 or we have multiple locations or we're scaling the company, they're not all going to see you as the CEO anymore. And so we can't rely on just the good fortune that they're around you and pick up your vibe. We have to have an operating system. We have to be more systematic in how we go about building that culture. And that's really what we're talking about. So the first of the two really core steps of this eight-step framework is defining with way more clarity exactly what we want that culture to be and defining it in terms of the set of behaviors, or as I call them, fundamentals. Now, the second step is really the game changer. And the second step is a concept that I call creating rituals. So a ritual, in the way that I'm using this word, is some routine, some behavior that we do over and over and over again until it becomes baked in. You know, you go to a ball game, we start with the national anthem. When I was a kid in school, we used to say the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. Some people say a prayer before a meal. You get up in the morning, you brush your teeth. They're just routines. And the reason that rituals or routines like this are so important is that it's our nature as humans that most humans are not very good at sticking with things. We come up with all kinds of wonderful ideas and you know the best of intentions and diet and exercise program or whatever, and then it falls by the wayside when we get busy and life gets in the way. So we don't want that to happen. So once something becomes built into our routines, it's just what you do every day. It's not hard to do. It's just what you do. So the way we use that simple idea is that we take these behaviors, these fundamentals, as I call them, we roll them out into an organization in highly interactive, engaged sessions that everybody participates in. And then we begin to focus on one of these fundamentals each week through a series of rituals. And so and I'll give you an example in just a moment. So week number one, everybody in the organization all week long is thinking about working on focusing on practicing fundamental number one. The week after that, everybody in the organization is focused on fundamental number two. And the week after that, three and four and five and so on, till we get to the end of the list of whatever number we happen to have. And then we'll go back to the beginning and we do it over and over and over again every week for the rest of our lives. Because that's the only way it sinks in. So let me give you just one example of a ritual just to help your audience picture what I'm referring to. So in my company and in pretty much every one of our clients, every time we have a meeting in our company this week, whether it's a, an in-person meeting or a, a, you know, a virtual meeting, my company's remote. So all of our meetings are by zoom. So whether it's a virtual meeting or an in-person meeting, whether it's a leadership meeting, a team meeting, a department meeting, every meeting that has happened this week in my company, the first agenda item of that meeting is our fundamental of the week. And we spend the first three to five minutes talking about it. What does it mean? How do we practice it? They just come up with a customer yesterday. And so to give you an example, my fundamental in my company this week is one that we call deliver results. And delivering results for me is all about, you know, so many people and companies love to talk about their effort, how many phone calls they made, how many hours they worked, how hard they tried, as if that was the goal. And to me, the goal is to get the result. I don't really care how many hours you work. Did we get the result? That's what matters. And so this fundamental is all about focusing on the results and not so much the effort. And so every meeting in my company this week, first thing we did is we spent a few minutes talking about delivering results. Three to five minutes. We don't want to take over the meeting, but every meeting we're talking about it. Next week, every meeting starts with 
next week's fundamental, the week after that, fundamental after that, and so on. And we just do it over and over and over and over again. So it's a ritual. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to try to remember to do it. It's just what we do. It's just like, again, some people might start a meal with a prayer. We start a meeting with the fundamental of the week. It's our routine. And that gives us so many opportunities to think about work on practice, focus on this week's fundamentals. So we create a number of different rituals like that, that give us lots and lots of opportunities throughout the week to work on focus, practice, teach this week's fundamental. And if we do that with this week's fundamental and next week's fundamental and that and the one after that, we just keep cycling through them sooner or later, these behaviors, these fundamentals just become internalized in our people. And that's really what we're trying to accomplish. No, that's great. And it's, it's like CEOs all too well, because at the end of your presentation, you're like, don't worry, I've put this all in a video because you're going to go back. And I, I was texting my team actually during the meeting, oh, we're going to meet on culture on Monday. Like it was just, you knew like we would go back, try to do something, you get excited about it, but then do you really, are, are you able to, to implement? So one question yes. I have for you is, again, we all know culture is important. How do you measure the impact of what your organization does for companies? I know you've worked with hundreds of them. So you... Yep. Yeah, it's a question that comes up often, Adam. And and I'll answer that in... There's sort of some indirect answers to that and some direct answers. The first thing I would say is you will read many articles out there. If you do a little bit of research, you'll see plenty of studies and articles that will talk about you know, companies that are intentional and systematic about their culture are, you know, X times more profitable and Y times more productive and all these other statistics. And candidly, I don't know how you claim those things. Yeah. And the reason I say that is that while I, I, I do believe that, that all that's true, I don't know how you isolate the variables. Because, you know, if I were looking at two companies and one of them was really intentional about their culture and one of them wasn't very intentional about their culture, there's no question in my mind that the one that's intentional is going to be way more successful. But can I pinpoint it was just because they implemented the fundamentals or in their culture or I, I like everything else isn't constant. You can't isolate that as the only variable and everything else about the company was the same. You know, if they were more productive this year, was that because they got rid of a stupid manager who was lousy? Was it because they created some new product? Was it because one of their competitors went out of business? Was it they hired somebody good? I mean, all of those things contributed. And so I just don't like to make those claims about, oh, well, it's 37% better because they did this. But having said that, there's no question that if you can identify the behaviors that you know lead to the success of your people, we can look at whether your people are doing those. We, we can survey to see whether your people are doing those behaviors more consistently. And if they are, it certainly isn't a big leap of faith to think this is having a big contribution to your success. You know, indirectly, what our clients tell us, I've done some surveys of our clients to ask, so what are the biggest impacts you've seen from practicing this methodology? And they will say, there's no question we're making, we're, we're, our revenue is, growth is much higher, our profitability is much higher, we have lower turnover, we have higher engagement scores, we have greater productivity, our customer service metrics are better. I mean, all those things are being driven in the right direction. It's just that you can't isolate this as the only thing that's contributing to it. But geez, if you get your people doing the right stuff, you don't have to be a rocket science to figure rocket scientist to figure out this is having a big impact on us. Yeah, and if you're intentional about it and 
consistency, right? Doing the small things every day yep. for a long period of time, the compound effect that is ultimately going to help drive the value of your business. And, and enormously. Talk to you a little bit about this at Vistage, but after I exited my last company, so now I've been doing some executive coaching, but also business advisory services because my skill set is getting really companies from napkin to reality, building scale, and then positioning them for a high value exit. And one of the first things we talk about is the leadership team. So if you've ever raise capital, the the VCs, they're looking to bet the jockey, not the horse. I think the culture can actually increase your enterprise value, creating consistent bottom-up buy-in from your team. I love to ask stories that you don't have to give us a specific company name, but tell us some of the worst cultures you've seen where you're like walking in and you're like, how is this company even in business or successful? Do you have anything you can share with us? Well, actually, you know, it's funny and it, in some ways, it's the opposite. Um, and the reason I say that, and I want to comment on, on, on this question of value too, because I have some thoughts to share with you about that to affirm what you're saying. But to answer your question, almost all of the companies we work with already have good cultures. And the reason for this, I want to explain this, this will make sense for you, is that my experience is if you've been running a company for a number of years and your culture sucks, you don't get it as a leader, <laughs> you know, you're, you are completely clueless about this. And if you're completely clueless about it, you don't think this is important and you're never going to spend any money to hire somebody to help you with it. Cause you don't think it's important. Right. So the only people who actually spend money to work on their culture are people who think it's important. Otherwise you wouldn't spend money on it. And if you think it's important, you've almost always intuitively naturally been doing many of the right things just cause you get it as a leader. And, you know, again, even if you weren't that systematic about it, you know, you treat people well because that's who you are. And so, again, the people who hire us are people who already have good cultures because they think it's important. And what happens is typically they, they've, had, they've had a really good culture almost by accident just because of who they are. And it never occurred to them that they could and should be way more systematic about it. And so we help them to put a level of of system behind what they're doing, what they have already gravitated to, we help them put the system behind it that, that enables them to scale it in a much more significant way. So I don't usually see, I'm sorry, I don't have any good stories for companies that suck. It's always good companies that want to be great, which is much more fun, actually. It's so funny you say that, and it's a perspective that's been happening or a situation that's been happening with me as well. So people are reaching out for coaching services or advisory services? How do I position for an exit? And the ones that actually commit and do it are the ones that already have most of the pieces in place, yep. but they see the value in it. Yes. And then I talk to other entrepreneurs and they're, they don't want to spend the money right now. Yes. Or, and I look at this. This is exactly why you are where you are. Yes, and it's the exact same thing with culture. People who have lousy cultures don't spend money on culture because they don't think it's important. But to get back to your comments about um, how working on your culture contributes to enterprise value. So um, a couple of things I'd say. One is that you know, if I'm, and you know this better than me because you're, you're in this business, but if I were interested in owning your business and buying your business, what I'm really buying is the belief that the success you've had can be continued. Yep. Because, I mean, the success that you had before 
if it doesn't continue, well, I don't really care about that. I'm trying to buy your company so I can continue to grow it. So if you've got a great culture, a really high performing culture in the company, it gives me a much higher belief or um, a much higher confidence level that when I acquire your business and maybe you're not there anymore, but there's this great culture that we're going to be able to sustain and grow the success that's been created so far. So it gives me a higher confidence level about the continuity of that success. When I think about when I sold my first company, um, as you know, and all the people you work with know, when we sell our companies, typically we're going to sell for some multiple of our earnings and different industries at different points of time have different standard multiples. If I look at what the multiples were in my company, my first company, when I sold that company, and I look at what the multiples were for similar kinds of businesses and what we sold for, that you know, we, we got a much higher multiple. And I got to believe that you know, the delta was because of our culture and what we had built. That difference to me personally was about a $10 million difference. So this was not insignificant. I didn't do it for that reason, but it was a $10 million delta. Um, so this was big. I have many clients of ours. I'm thinking about, you're just, you know, just another example off the top of my head. We have a client, one of our very first clients was a food manufacturing company in Fort Worth, Texas. So, you know, blue collar manufacturing stuff. And uh, they eventually sold their company after they, they'd created their fundamentals and practiced this for a number of years. The CEO always said this was like the most important thing they'd ever done in their history of their company. They sold their company to a very large billion dollar company. And the acquirer specifically told them that a big part of the value was the culture they had built, um, that they, they received a much bigger payout simply because of the culture they had built. Um, it, it is real economic value. And establishing a culture is not an overnight process. Just like I tell people when they want to exit their business, it's not like selling your house and you just go put up for sale sign in the front yard. There's a compounding effect of things that you need to do, making sure you have the right financial model. What's your competitive advantage? What's your go-to-market strategy? All these things take time to implement and they're not a set it and forget it activity, which I've been guilty of this. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners as well you do a weekend retreat, you do an offsite, you talk about core values and everyone gets excited about it. But then how do you actually put it into action? And I'd love for you to talk a little bit to our listeners. What is your process? What's, how, how do people get engaged with your services? And what is, and I'm, I know it's not a one size fits all company size, sure. all these things, but just some buckets or framework of how you actually work. Yeah. So great question, Adam. So when we engage with a client, we've done this with over 800 companies in every industry. So this is very industry agnostic. We've done this in companies that are law firms and CPA firms. We've done it in heavy construction, steel welding and fabricating, pest control, landscaping, you name it. So this is, doesn't matter what the industry is. There's a very specific process that we take companies through to implement this methodology. And the process begins with the meeting with the leadership team of the company. It's usually about a two or three hour meeting and doing some basic education. But most of that first session is spent with us facilitating the process of helping the leaders brainstorm. So what are those behaviors that are most important? What are the behaviors that you say 
If we could get our people to do these things consistently, oh my God, we'd be incredible. So we facilitate the process of that brainstorming. We take the notes from that meeting and based upon those notes, we draft a first set or a first draft of the fundamentals, the behaviors that, that are most important. And each of them has a title and a two or three sentence description that brings more clarity to it. So we write that within usually about 48 hours. We send it to the CEO and then we go back and forth with the CEO, with the CEO providing feedback and us doing successive edits as many times as we need to until the CEO says, you freaking nailed it. That's perfect. That's exactly what I want our culture to be. That usually only takes a few weeks. They're like, this isn't a six month process. This is like okay. a couple of week process. Once we have a final set of fundamentals, we figure out, well, what are the rituals that are going to make the most sense in this particular work environment? And then we plan what we call the rollout. The rollout is how does this get introduced to all the employees? Because we could create the greatest set of fundamentals. And if we just dump it on people, it's not really going to be very effective. We've got to get all the employees engaged. So the rollout is a highly interactive, engaged work session. It's usually a three-hour session that every employee goes through. And we, we break them up depending on the size of the company into small groups. But it's very interactive. And everybody, by the time we finish the rollout, the employees are excited. They're motivated. They think this is wonderful. And the next week is week number one. And we're now off and running, starting to practice our fundamentals every week. That process from brainstorming to rolling it out and starting to practice usually takes about six to eight weeks. So this is something, again, to give your audience a frame of reference. This is not some massive, massive two-year project. No, in 60 days, we're practicing our fundamentals and starting to see impact very rapidly. And do you provide ongoing accountability as well? Are there groups that they can join? Because again, it, yeah, it, we, we see it all the time in the businesses we advise, you, you work on a business plan, you create a financial model, but without consistent follow-up and discipline, a lot of times these activities can go to the wayside. Yeah. So uh, you're absolutely right that, that, you know, we don't want somebody to get excited at the beginning and then forget about it. And, and to some extent, it's why the rituals are so important because once with the rituals are in place, it just becomes what we do. It becomes our language. It becomes the way we think, the way we do things. So it is, it is on its surface already way more sustainable than anything they've ever done because we've built the rituals. We didn't build the rituals. It doesn't happen. Having said that, we have a, a customer support manager who is in touch with every client that makes sure they're staying successful. We check in with them frequently. We have a software tool that helps to engage their people on a consistent basis. We do an annual culture-wise summit where companies that are practicing fundamentals get together and share best practices with each other. So there's lots and lots of things to keep them in the family and practicing their fundamentals. But I tell you, when we do, we just had our, our annual summit a couple of weeks ago in Philadelphia, and it's such an amazing thing to hear all these companies talking about the way they've been practicing their fundamentals. And many of them have been doing this for six years, eight years, 10 years. And it's just, it's, it's proof of concept that this isn't a, a you know, a, a flavor of the month kind of thing. This is what they do. And it just becomes so integrated into their hiring practices, their performance reviews, their, you know, everything they do is organized around their fundamentals. It just becomes their language. And that's the whole point is for this to really be internalized, not some gimmicky fly, flavor of the month kind of program, 
but for it to be so integrated that this is just, you work here, this is how we do things. It's our language, it's our vocabulary, it's the way we think, it's the lens through which we look at the world. That's really what the fundamentals become for people. And that's what makes it so sustainable. Oh, that's great. And it's funny after our Vistage event. So I, I love to apply the things I do in business, mm -hmm. in my home life as well. So I started working on, I have four sons, three teenagers and a 10 year old. So I'm like, this week's behavior is everyone is going to make their bed every single yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. gonna, I feel bad for my kids at times. They get <laughs> guinea well, pig, I mean, a lot of but things. That, that, that whole idea of routine and ritual, it's just, it's the foundation of how humans succeed. I sometimes say, and you get this because this is just as applicable in the sports environment, that when I look at the best, the best athletes and what they do differently than others or the best coaches or the best teams or the best companies, there's a way that I like to say this, that I say that the best ones, if I look at the difference between the best ones and the, the decent ones, and I'm not lousy, but decent, is that the best ones do what I call ordinary things with extraordinary consistency. They just do the block and tackling more consistently than everybody else. And rituals are how you do that. That's what keeps us doing the blocking tackling more consistently. You know, I was at, I, you know, I joked about before, I'm a big Eagles fan, I'm a season ticket holder. And I was at the Super Bowl last year, which was frustrating to lose, but still I was at the Super Bowl and I was watching the players before the game started. And you know, they're, they're they have their routines about it, you know, an hour before the game, they're out on the field and they're going through all these different drills and things. And I was watching the Eagles offensive linemen. The Eagles have arguably the best offensive line in the NFL and their coach, Jeff Stoutland is, you know, is like revered as the offensive line coach. And I was watching the offensive linemen on the field and they were doing different drills to practice their footwork. And I thought about that and I thought, so these guys are the absolute top, 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 top of the world in terms of their skill set and they're working on something as mundane as their footwork and they never stop working on it you know you hear teams talk about in baseball and spring training they work on their fundamentals <laughs> throwing catching batting you know base running like people are always looking for for some magic bullet and my experience is there's no magic bullets there's just doing the basic blocking and tackling more consistently than everybody, everybody else. And the way you get consistent is by creating rituals around it. It's just what we do. You don't get consistent by trying to be highly motivated because that doesn't really last long enough. You get consistent because you do the same stuff all the time over and over and over and over and over again. And people are always looking for shortcuts and they, are, they don't exist in my experience. No gimmicks, no shortcuts. That's it. So, uh, yeah, maybe think one of our previous guests, Tommy Short, he was a Division One basketball ref, but he also refed internationally during the 2012 Olympics. And he talked about just the way that Kobe Bryant would practice the level of intensity. And he just did all the simple things really, really well. And then when practice ended, he's like, I'm going to make 300 shots from the right side of the court and 300 shots from the left side of the court. And everyone's kind of like, you're going to make 300 each? So the whole team had to sit there while Kobe Bryant is mean, just doing the basics every day, consistently over time. And you obviously one of the greatest basketball players. So we're here live with David Friedman, CEO of culture wise. And again, we all know the importance of culture, but how do you operationalize it? How do you make it consistent? 
like you said, it's just doing the simple things every day consistently. And he mentioned his exit, probably a $10 million uh, increase in the valuation of his company. I know in my previous businesses, we had a winning culture. I didn't have this operation operational system, which I wish I did, but definitely learning a lot here today. So David, as we wrap up, any closing thoughts for our listeners? Like how, how do they get started with this? And we're obviously gonna put your website and sure. how to get information about you, but what, what's the first thing they should do? First thing is you got to define your fundamentals. You got to define what are those behaviors? You know, you made the comment there consistent with what I was saying that, you know, if you want to be successful, you got to do certain basic things over and over and over and over again. So if we just break that down and say, okay, well, first thing you got to do is define what are the basic things you need to do? What are those things? If you haven't defined those, well, you're not going to be able to do them consistently. So first step is defining what are the behaviors that you say are important? Second step is you got to do them consistently. Well, how are you going to do them consistently? You got to create rituals around it because you're not going to do them consistently just by being motivated. Being motivated will last you six weeks. You know, we're not all going to be motivated for the rest of our lives. And so you can't rely on sheer willpower to do things. It just has to be part of your routine. It's just what we do. So it still comes back to as simple as it sounds because it is that simple. You got to decide, well, what are the right behaviors I need to do? And then you got to create a, a structure, rituals to practice them over and over and over again. Do that. You're going to be successful. It's not more complicated than that. Yeah. That's a great summary. And so if you're listening out there and you want to get in touch with David, we'll provide all of his information. Again, the company is CultureWise. And I want to thank everyone for joining another episode of the House of Bricks. If you were inspired by this podcast, I ask that you would subscribe to our YouTube channel, share it. It helps us grow, helps our audience grow, but more importantly, helps us make an impact in the lives of the people that we're engaging with and inspiring. So thank you again, David, for being on the House of Bricks. Absolutely. My pleasure, Adam. Thank you. Thank you.